We should go for as much as we can get, but we should never be surprised when we don't get what we want. And we should never back off or quit because I really believe that the truth has a power of its own and it will ultimately carry the day. That's the voice of Bishop E.W. Jackson, host of the Awakening Radio Show and founder of The Called Church in Chesapeake. Why did so many Americans in the midterms reject efforts to protect babies in the womb or even babies on the delivery table? Bishop Jackson looks at the deceptive lies influencing so many Americans at the ballot box and how Christians can overcome false narratives with truth. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our special guest, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, welcome, Bishop Jackson. We are so excited to have you today. Well, thank you, Candy. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Well, before we dive right in, I just really want to let our listeners know what a longtime and valuable friend you have been to the Family Foundation. In addition to serving as the well-known host of the Awakening Show on American Family Radio and the pastor of the Cobb Church in Chesapeake, you have been a longtime battle-tested culture warrior alongside the Family Foundation for years. I know for at least 20 years from talking to Victoria that you've been a staunch defender of the sanctity of life and marriage and family, and even served as the chaplain for Family Foundation for quite a while. So folks, this is a pastor who gets it. Bishop Jackson understands what it means to have a Christian worldview and put that into practice in our culture. He is not shying away from any of this. So all that is to say, Bishop Jackson, we couldn't have a better guest on today to help us sort through the muddle coming out of these election outcomes. Well, that's very kind of you. And listen, I am happy. I'm honored to be an ally of the Family Foundation. I, I often query myself and others, what would the Commonwealth of Virginia be like if it weren't for the Family Foundation and the leadership of Victoria Cobb? I shudder to think. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, to start with, Bishop, what in the world is going on here? We are several days out now um, from the midterms, and yet we're still in this you can understand where people might be feeling confused. And I just kind of want to give the bigger picture here to set this up for you. You know, leading up to the midterms, all we were hearing about from leftists was how democracy was under threat, how the so-called right to abortion was under fire, and that was going to turn out all the women. And But then we, right before we started hearing the opposite, oh, wait a minute, the left overplayed its hand. They didn't talk enough about inflation and crime. Conservatives might pull out a big sweep. And then none of that happened. Um, but even more disturbing than all of that, as you know, Bishop, abortion was on the ballot in five states and the protection of life did not win out in any of those. So just that's a big question. But what is the yeah. takeaway here? I, I want to know from you, because this is what I've been thinking about. Should we look at this and think this is a sign our country is more divided than ever before? Or should we look at this and think this is a huge warning sign that we are being even more secularized? Well, it, it's a little bit of both, obviously, um, but of, on the, the matter of practical uh, political organizing, I think that the left has got funding, they've got organizing, and they are very clear on their agenda. I was looking, for example, at what happened in Montana, and many people are saying that they out-advertised the pro-life forces, and they really painted a narrative of 
that this was not about saving the lives of children born alive after a botched abortion. This was really about causing pain to the mother and for in situations where a child is terminally ill and, and trying to force medical care upon a situation that's already hopeless. I mean, they apparently they carried the narrative. And look, I, I'm convinced of this. When the American people hear the truth, we win. Uh, but that's not what they're going to hear from the left. And so part of it is understanding we are up against the mainstream media, the colleges and universities, the corporate world. Remember what happened when Roe v. Wade was overturned and many corporations came out and said, we will finance any woman who wants to travel to a state where she can get an abortion. It just goes to show that the cultural forces are arrayed against us. And in order to win, we've got to have all hands on deck. We've got to have plenty of funding and we've got to do a lot of praying. Yeah, I guess the disturbing thing is people in a state like Montana, they go to the ballot box. And what you're saying is they're not they're not really reading what's right there in front of them. If you read the words on the ballot that this is about protecting an infant lying on the table, that they're listening to the narrative instead. Is, is that is that what you're saying? And how to. Oh, yeah, oh to, there 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 is no question about it. Uh, look, when you pound away a lie repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again, it, it kind of takes over reality, doesn't it? I mean, it, it becomes people's reality. And then nothing they read, nothing they hear, nothing that anybody says overcomes that because it's almost like it's inculcated in them. Yeah, I, I think, look, the left has mastered the, the, the skill of indoctrinating people. Uh, they really have, and, and they've got plenty of institutions with which to do it. And so we're always swimming against the tide of the culture, against the current of the culture. They are swimming with it, with a lot of forces arrayed with them to, to help them. So when, when things don't go well for us, the lessons we have to learn are, are not to back off of our views at all, but to figure out what resources we need to marshal and what we need to do in order to make sure that the American people and the voters really hear and, and perceive the truth rather than the narrative that the left will paint for them. And what do you think we need to do to overcome the narrative on the life issue? Well, uh, one of the things that we've got to do is we really got to respond. I mean, so for example, we just had a big election. People expected it to go one way, it went another, uh, or certainly didn't go quite the way people expected it to go. Um, but one of the problems I have is that when we, we, we began to hear that this election is about abortion, that this election is about democracy, uh, and, and then on the other side hearing, well, but that, that, that they're, they're missing the boat. They don't understand. That's not what on people, is on people's minds. Well, that was a big mistake in judgment. I think that you've got to respond to false narratives. You've got to hit back because if you don't, then it, it doesn't necessarily persuade people who are already pro-life, of course, but what it does is it galvanizes people who think that they're really under threat, that they're really under siege, democracy is at stake. And if you don't respond to that, you know, you may end up allowing them to to really marshal forces 
that up until that point might have thought, well, you know, this is this is really no big deal. I'm not that enthused about what I'm hearing. Uh, we've got all kinds of problems. I may stay home. I'm not sure how I'm going to go. And instead, it becomes an army. I've got to defend democracy. I've got to defend a woman. Uh, I've got to defend women. Uh, so we simply can't leave a vacuum. You know, uh, power pours a vacuum. We've got to get in there and paint our picture. We're not extremists. It, it is it is believing that a baby can be allowed to die after it is born alive. That is an extreme position. Believing that you it, there's no difference between one minute before birth and one minute after birth in terms of even one minute before birth, you, it's it's quite okay to kill the unborn baby. Um, and but the one minute after birth, it's okay. Well, it's not unless it was an intended abortion. I mean, these are really extreme views, and I don't think we did a good job of expressing to, to the American people and the electorate just how extreme these views are. Because I think when we do, most people reject those views. And to your point, one of the biggest winners, if not the biggest winner in all of this, was DeSantis, and he was. Doing the counterpunch, hitting back, especially on the issues of uh, indoctrination and education. He's hitting back at Disney. Should we be taking a lesson from that? Look, I, I, as you know, I ran for public office. and I used to hear this a lot. Don't get into the social issues. Don't get into the social issues. People don't want to talk about that. People don't want to hear that. And I, I always thought that that advice was wrong. DeSantis, in my view, has proved, no, you've got to get into it. You've got to be a culture warrior. You you speak to it competently, rationally, calmly, but you can't be silent and allow them to paint the picture that they want people to see. And I think DeSantis was masterful at that, came right back at them every time. When a reporter asked a biased question, he came right back at that reporter and said, well, where are you getting that from? Let me give you the facts. And I think that that's the kind of nimbleness that we need in our movement, in the conservative movement, um, in in order to to carry the day, because then the American people get a real and accurate view of what we really think and what we really believe and what we represent, rather than simply the label, oh, they're extremists, they're far right. Right, 100% agree. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you before we move into other topics, um, just on the abortion issue um, you know, I've been hearing some analysis that maybe we're being a little bit impatient because, after all, a whole lot of people have grown up um, over the you know last nearly 50 years used to Roe being the law of the land, being the norm. And, you know, did we expect too much with some of these valid initiatives for people to change that mindset overnight? And I'd really love to hear from you, Bishop, if, if you were to look at this and compare it to the civil rights issue of separate but equal and how long it has taken and even work still being done, you know, on people growing up under that paradigm for generations and it taking decades to get a heart change on that. Um, what is your perspective on that? Did, should we be more yes. incremental or what, what do you think? Well, we should, we should go for as much as we can get, but we should never be surprised when we don't get what we want. And we should never back off or quit because I really believe that the truth has a power of its own and it will ultimately carry the day. I mean, I don't mind. People need to be reminded and I don't mind saying it. There was a time in our country when there was a consensus among many that black people were not quite human. We're not equal. We're not capable. We're not all of these ideas. Well, now you, you talk to the average American today 
And they think, well, that's nuts. That, that, that doesn't make any sense. But it didn't happen overnight. It took continued pounding away with truth, you know, with what our declaration represents, with with what we know from personal experience, with dealing with people as individuals. And here we are now in a country in which, I mean, to be a racist is almost the worst thing you could, you could imagine uh, being used against you, which the left often used, of course, uses, of course, as a, as a political weapon. But, but everybody understands that that's wrong. I, I really believe the day is going to come when we will look at these unborn babies and there will be a consensus in America that it is wrong, it is morally wrong to take the life of that child, uh, it, just as it would have been morally wrong to take your life before you actually were born or, or to take my life before I actually was born. There's yeah. really no distinction whatsoever. But, but it's going to take continued and persistent uh, promoting of the truth of human life. And so, yeah, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be discouraged by this. So we shouldn't despair about it. I think we just have to keep coming back with the truth. And I believe eventually the truth is going to win out. That is a, a good word. Thank you for that. Well, before I kind of get into what's happening in Virginia, I just want to throw out one thing, and that is on these broader issues of the economy and crime. Help us get them our mind around are other people not going to the grocery store like we are and paying twice as much for milk and eggs and paying more for gas? How is it that so many of us still voted for the status quo? What do you think is going on based on the conversations you're having in your community? You know, look, I liken this to, to cult behavior. Uh, in, in a cult, reality doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. What matters is what the cult says. And once you buy into that, all kinds of bizarre behavior can be justified that others on the outside look at and go, well, how could you possibly, and you say, well, how could you possibly not? You know, because people are literally indoctrinated to think a certain way. And I think, I, I, I've watched some of these uh, exit interviews where women coming out of the polls would say, oh yeah, yeah, inflation's bad and the price of gas is bad and I know crime is a problem, but I, but the number one issue is abortion. Well, even the number one issue is taking the life of an unborn baby and that's, that's it? That's what moves you? See, to me, that's a kind of cult-like response because that's not affecting your personal life in any way but it, it's almost like a religion in which, well, it doesn't matter whether it's affecting my personal life. This is what I adhere to. This is what I believe. And so we, we've got to really stop our young people and those um, who have not yet kind of been caught up in that, because only 27% of people on exit polls show that abortion was their number one issue. Uh, we gotta, we, we've got to stop the march of that lie uh, and, and, and that, that sort of cult-like response by hitting people hard with the truth, because um, th to, to me it's irrational, it's it, it it's a denial of reality, but but it's where people are, and it's the way cults behave. Boy, that is a powerful reminder that at the end of the day, this does get back to spiritual principalities, and it's about renewing the mind and the heart, and we just got to keep that at the forefront. Want a chance to win a personal tour of the state capitol with Delegate Nick Freitas and Victoria Cobb? In celebration of reaching our 100th episode of Speak Up Virginia, we've made it easy for you to enter. 
Just go to familyfoundation.org and click on the Win a Tour banner. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, I do want to point out, it's not all bad news, people, and we do have to keep the bigger picture in mind. So, Bishop Jackson, I would love it if you would help us think about some of the encouraging takeaways people can still take from these midterm results. Oh, look, and and there are some very encouraging takeaways. Um, first of all, we did we did win in some very hotly contested races. I mean, J.D. Vance won in uh, Ohio. Um, Jen Kiggins won here in the second district of Virginia. In fact, I live in the second district. She becomes my congresswoman. But beyond that, something else is happening that we as conservatives have got to take note of and take advantage of. Black and Hispanic voters are moving our way. They are beginning to vote conservative more often. They are realizing that the lie, the canard, that that somehow if you are liberal, you are not racist. If you are conservative, you are racist. I mean, this is just such nonsense. Uh, but but here again, that's part of that kind of cult-like mindset that has been promoted, and it's breaking down. Hispanics, as you know now, uh, apparently the uh, Democrats have only a five percent lead uh, among Hispanic voters. Uh, that that is a sea change uh, because in recent years it's been like a thirty percent lead. So people are shifting their attitudes. They're evaluating policies. They're looking, in other words, they're looking beyond party because we know as Christians, this is ultimately not about party. This is about principles. This is about truth. This is about ideals. This is about the word of God versus all other views. And so when we see black and Hispanic voters beginning to take that into consideration, something very wonderful is happening that I think portends very well for the future of the country. Do you think that does uh, play into the parental rights issue? Because we did see here in Virginia uh, school boards like the Virginia Beach School Board flipped from liberal to conservative. Uh, they picked up some conservative members to in Loudoun County. Um, how much is the parental rights issue you think playing in with Hispanics and uh, black communities? I think it's number one. I think it's number one because, look, we know that abortion disproportionately hits black people and had, this is this is margaret sanger's vision from the start of the thing and uh, even though black folks are only 12 to 13 percent of the population kind of varies between there uh they are 36 percent of the abortions and in some places like new york 50 percent of the abortions wow. are performed on black citizens and i think that that we we are getting that message across to them that this 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 disproportionate impact has devastating effect on a community, on families. And I think they're waking up to that. And then we know that if you get the life issue right, the other issues tend to fall into place. Family falls into place. Um, and I think Hispanics are very, very big on families still. They have some of the most stable families of any demographic in the country. And I think the life issue is critical for them as well. And so I think it's a leading issue in helping to move these voters in a more conservative and traditional direction. Right. And to also encourage people here in Virginia, I think it helps to remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago we had this devasta uh, devastating sweep in Virginia with radical leftists taking over every component of the state 
government. So even though this time around we only got one out of three of the U.S. House uh, districts we were looking for, at the same time, it wasn't that long ago when the leftists were in control of everything. So at least we picked up one. And we do have an awesome governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. What uh, Can you help just kind of add on to that to help encourage people with the long game here in our state specifically? Well, for one thing, it, it's a reminder to us, as I said earlier, you never, ever quit. Because, you know, there were many people who had written Virginia off. I mean, Virginia's just, it's, it's done. Virginia's gone leftist, it's gone liberal, it's gone blue. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling people, I really believe there's a wellspring of conservatism in Virginia. We just haven't tapped into it. And we need the right candidate. We need the right issues to be able to do that. And 2021 proved to be the formula. The right candidates, I really believe. We had some great candidates. But we also had a great issue, which comes back to what? Family, education, uh, what the school system was doing with our children in, in, in spite of and in defiance of the parents' wishes. Uh, and that became, of course, a, a major driving force to bring people to the polls. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think Virginia, frankly, led the way in, in helping the country understand what is at stake with these cultural issues, that it's, it's not just you know, a lot of theoretical stuff. This goes to the heart of who raises our children, what values are they raised with, who is going to make the ultimate decisions about their health and well-being. Is it going to be the state? Is it going to be the school department, the school board, or is it going to be the parents? I think that's getting very, very much to the heart of, of people's concerns. And you start messing around with people's children, Uh, you get them activated. And so that's, again, a message that we've got to take across the country that we conservatives believe in family and we want human beings, men, women, husbands, wives, to be the final authority in the the care and the rearing of their children, not the state. And there's a big difference between us and the left that really believes that parents don't know what they're doing and and somebody else ought to be making the big decisions about children's gender and about their education, about what they learn and all that stuff. So I, I think Virginia led the way and I think the rest of the country is really going to follow. Absolutely. And that really puts that in sharp focus when you think about how is a society going to treat its children? That's how it will be judged, I think. And um, I just want to wrap up today to talk about how you see the role of the church moving forward in all this. And I think a lot of people, Bishop Jackson, are wondering how, what is the window of time that our nation has um, before, you know, we, we really get on a permanent track with whether we're going to be a nation that protects children, protects life, um, stays true to the constitutional freedoms our founding fathers envisioned. It kind of seems like, you know, maybe we have a little reprieve right now, but if we keep going down the same track in certain ways, we, we might lose it. What, what do you think the window of time is for our nation, and what, what role is the church going to play in that? Well, it's not long, and that's why we ought to all be praying for an awakening, too, because we really do need divine intervention. Because right now, all of the forces of cultural influence are allied against us. As I said, the corporations, the colleges, the universities, the public schools, uh, entertainment, the media, journalism, uh, these are all very influential in people's lives. And they are all basically secular. And how do we turn that situation around? Well, you know, kind of like the children of Israel, we got to raise up a new generation. 
And we got to pray for God to give an awakening to those who are here now so that more of the people who are opposing themselves, really, they think they're opposing us, they're opposing themselves, will see the light and realize, wait a minute, you know, this what I've been thinking and doing is not making sense. And I need to take another look at this. I mean, this is the greatest nation in the in in the history of mankind. And you got people who who hate it and want to denigrate it, and they want to turn it into a secular nation. That's not been the key to our success. So we got to pray for an awakening. And then we got to raise up uh, the, the next generation to think differently. You know, 63% of Gen Z, 18 to 30, came out and who came out and voted, uh, voted one way. They voted for abortion. They voted for, you know, an end to, uh, to uh, forgiveness of school loans. Uh, they voted for all this transgender stuff. Um, and we've got to really reach these new, these young people. In fact, you didn't mention this, but I'll quickly mention it. Yeah. We have a, Stan has an organization, a, a department called Youth Taking a Stand. And on November the 19th, we're having a Youth Taking a Stand conference. It's a virtual conference with young people ages 18 to 30 because we know we've got to reach these young people and give them a different vision for what their lives can be. Uh, and even go younger than that, frankly, to give people a vision for family and for marriage and for for the values that made America great in the first place. So we got a big task ahead of us, but with the help of God, we're going to get it done. This is a providential nation ordained by God. I believe that. And I don't believe God is ever going to abandon us or abdicate and so it's up to us to make sure that we don't do that either. You are positive. You believe the truth will prevail, but you also are realistic that there is a window of time for our nation uh, to choose one path or the other. Just just to summarize, that's kind of where you're at. We got We got to move. We can't, you know, faith without works is dead. And while I believe that God loves America, I, I really believe that God ordained America, only nation ordained on the foundational truth that rights and liberties and freedom don't come from human beings, they come from God. Well, God didn't give us that to allow it to be squandered. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and callings of God are without revocation. In other words, he will not revoke his gifts, but we can abdicate them. And if we don't abdicate, I don't see anything else in our future but victory. We just have to stand on the battlefield and, and fight the good fight of faith. Thank you so much, Bishop Jackson. That was so encouraging and also an excellent call to action for our listeners. Appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. Before we head out here, I just want to remind everyone, don't miss your opportunity to enter for a chance to win our Win a Tour giveaway where you can have a chance at getting a personal tour of our beautiful state capitol with our president, Victoria Cobb, and Delegate Nick Freitas. Just go to familyfoundation.org and click on that Win a Tour banner. It's easy to enter, and by doing so, you can help us reach more people to learn about our podcast and get educated on the issues. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.